The House passed the continuing resolution, including the Ag Appropriations Bill. We'll find out exactly what that means and learn more about the timeline for the next Farm Bill. And it's Wednesday. That means it's time to get crop reports and to learn what matters most to farmers in this week's Farmer Forum. Live from an ongoing resolution to inform via Farm Journal broadcast, this is AgriTalk. This morning we begin with a conversation with Representative Randy Feenstra. Then it's our Farmer Forum with panelists Caleb Hamer and Ryan Bivens and directly following the news, Margie Echelkamp from The Scoop. I'm handsome newsman Davis Michelson, and now here's the host of AgriTalk, Jeff Laurie. All right, Davis. Yeah, that metallic rattling that you hear uh, across the country right now is the tin can getting kicked further down the road when it uh-huh. comes to these appropriation bills. It's mm-hmm. uh, uh, I understand it. You, the the funding of the government had to happen, but how we. <laughs> How in the world did we get to where we're at, where we're the the appropriations bills have been kicked into the first quarter of 2024 to to get these things settled? Uh, being what it is, if the Senate approves, then we will be looking at a full extension of the Farm Bill and the 21 Riders until uh, September of 2024. So. We'll talk with, with with Randy about what that means for the farm bill, and and uh, I know that he has several issues that he wants included in the conversation about the farm bill when it does come up for debate. So we'll get through that as well, dude. It's another beautiful morning. This one might be the best yet. The best one yet. Uh, yes, it's. It's pretty nice here in Kansas City, 56 degrees. I feel like maybe you're a little warmer than us there. No, 52. Okay. But but, but uh-huh. the wind that was tearing us up the past couple of days oh, is gone. Yeah. It's gone. So yeah. uh, it's a beautiful day, and I want to say that this is this is that second summer. Mm-hmm. You know, I think that's what we're pointing at here. So, I think you're right. That's, yeah. that's what we've moved into. I've got uh, – Lower lows and lower highs for the remainder of the week, temperature-wise. And oh, you know what lower lows and lower highs means. <laughs> yeah, here comes fall. Mm-hmm. Here comes fall. And they are talking about some cooler temperatures around Thanksgiving. All right, let's get to yep. the news. What do you got, buddy? Well, Chip, I've got a daily sale, 124,000 metric tons of corn for delivery to Japan during the 23-24 marketing year. There's a traditional buyer for you, buddy. That's one of those countries on the list that I've been been naming uh, every time we get a sale to Mexico. Where is Japan? Well, there's one. Can we follow through? Will the market respect it? Uh, let's uh, dig a little deeper into the weather. According to the National Weather Service, heavy rainfall and locally significant urban flash flooding will be a major concern today and tonight for southeast Florida. Locally heavy snowfall expected to- today across portions of the northern Rockies. Unsettled weather remains in the forecast across much of California. Dry and mild conditions will continue across the Intermountain West Plains and Midwest while gradually expanding toward the mid-Atlantic and northeast over the next few days. And Chip, the House passed a stopgap funding bill by a vote of 336 to 95, with 127 Republicans and 209 Democrats voting to send the bill to the Senate. That exceeds the two-thirds threshold required under a special procedure employed by House Speaker Johnson to sidestep internal GOP disagreements. Chip, didn't didn't McCarthy get booted for uh, attracting (laughs) too much favor from the other side of the aisle? Um, that was part of it, but let's mm-hmm. not forget that the disruptive eight, the gang mm-hmm. of eight, used every Democrat vote to push McCarthy out of office, mm-hmm. uh, out of his speakership. Uh, so it's uh, you got to work together if you're it, when the when the differences in in vote counts are so narrow. If you're going to get anything done, you got to expect some. It's got to be a bipartisan effort. Yep, yep. Uh, Senate Ag Committee Chairwoman Debbie Stabenow emphasized the need for farm leaders to express a sense of urgency in passing a new farm bill. I'm not feeling much urgency out of anybody except maybe G.T. Thompson, Chip. 
Yeah, well, I think there is to take it up in the first quarter. We'll we'll talk with Feenster about that. Well, tensions are high in the halls of Congress. A senator challenged a witness to a fist fight in a hearing yesterday, and Representative Kevin McCarthy was accused of elbowing another lawmaker. It's getting ugly up there on the Hill, Chip. Yeah, where's the decorum? The the, uh, (laughs) – should not laugh about it, but to watch Bernie Sanders try to get that confrontation under control in that Senate hearing, good grief. Yeah. he was put in a position that he shouldn't have been put in. Yep, yep. Have you seen Larry David do his uh, Bernie Sanders? <laughs> I, I bet it's going to be the opening scene on SNL this weekend. I'm, th- I'm thinking they're the same guy. I don't ah, know. <laughs> the yield on the U.S. 10-year Treasury today remained at 4.43%, the lowest level seen in the past seven weeks, follows a significant drop of up to 20 basis points mm-hmm. on the previous day. Retail sales in the U.S. decreased by one-tenth of one percentage point month-over-month in October 2023, putting an end to a six-month streak of increases. Meanwhile, over the period, producer prices in the U.S. experienced a notable decline, dropping by a half a percentage point month-over-month. That's the most significant decline since April 2020. And finally, Chip, Senators asked FDIC Chair Martin Grunberg yesterday about how the regulator handles accusations of harassment and discrimination after the Wall Street Journal reported toxic work conditions at the FDIC, Chip. Wow, okay, yeah, there's some couple of uh, those news items we'll have to pick up at the end of the show here today. Right now, let's bring in Margie Echelkamp, editor at The Scoop. Good morning, Margie. Good morning, Chip. All right, so what is this 8th District Court decision? Yeah, so just a few weeks ago, we got a decision out of the Eighth Circuit Court, which really overturned an EPA decision about two years ago that effectively prohibited the use of the insecticide chlorpyrifos. So folks may remember that the final rule from the EPA was effective October 29th of 2021 on all food crops, and the tolerances for all commodities expired the following February. Well, what this Eighth Circuit Court of Appeals decision means is that many ag groups are celebrating it as a way to have overturned an EPA decision that did not adequately, as they say, take into consideration some of their own scientific policies. Now, we don't know what this really means as far as chlorpyrifos being reinstated, but when it comes to overall pesticide policy, there are folks that are cheering this as a way to put some tools back in farmers' toolboxes and also keep them there. Now, another thing that is on the horizon in this space would be the EPA and its efforts to comply with the Endangered Species Act. There's a lot of retailers who have questions, a lot of farmers who have questions about what this all means. Just after Thanksgiving, the ARA will be having their annual conference and expo. And because this is such a big topic of discussion, They've launched a pre-con workshop on that Tuesday. Excellent, Margie. Thank you so much for the update there. That's Margie Echelkamp, editor of The Scoop. Go to www.thedailyscoop.com. We've got Representative Feenstra next. The Scoop on Agritalk is brought to you by Tyrannus, moving the acre forward. Every acre tells a story. Find yours at acreforward.com. That's acreforward.com. Every acre tells a story, but to hear it, you need the right tools. Tyrannus Acre Forward Intelligence turns leaf-level data into actionable insights. Read your fields from the palm of your hand. Make decisions with more certainty and speed than ever before. And have a more informed discussion with your retailer to preserve your hard-earned farm legacy, season after season. Every acre tells a story. Find yours at acreforward.com. That's acreforward.com. Advanced Acre RX from Winfield United is the full-season agronomic prescription program that's got farmers talking, providing extra protection through a service warranty, making yields more uniform over time. The Advanced Acre RX program is turning risk into reward. To hear what farmers have to say, visit winfieldunited.com AARX. Agreement is required and conditions, restrictions, and service fees apply. Percentage goals for the APH crop yield range from 95 to 105% for corn and 95 to 100% for soybeans. Due to factors outside of Winfield United's control, results to be obtained cannot be predicted or guaranteed by Winfield United. Results may vary. 
Talking to your kids about the dangers of vaping can be hard. Getting them to listen to hot gossip is easy. So here's some drama you could share with your kid. Dude, did you hear about Cassie and Jake? No, but did you hear that vaping can cause irreversible lung damage and nicotine affects brain development? <gasps> Nuh-uh. You don't need to gossip if you want to have an open conversation about vaping. So if you want to get tips on when and how to talk to your kids, visit talkaboutvaping.org. Brought to you by the American Lung Association and the Ad Council. We're not saying Provence seeds could beat every seed brand out there. We're just saying that a new way of doing things backed by constant innovation. Over 100 years of ag experience, science and service, one of the world's largest libraries of corn germplasm and utilizing the expertise that can only come from local ag retail has led Provence seeds to average more bushels per acre than the competition every year we've sold seed. That's all. Bucking the status quo. That's the Provence seed standard. Hey guys, it's me, Isabella Gomez, filling in for Smokey Bear because he's got more to say than just... Only you can prevent wildfires. Like, if you're outside enjoying a barbecue, don't let a hamburger distract you from fire safety. Make sure you aren't dumping your hot coals or ashes onto the ground because that could start a wildfire. So take wildfire prevention seriously and let's save the world one day at a time. Juntos con Smokey Bear, podemos hacerlo. Go to SmokeyBear.com to learn more about wildfire prevention. Brought to you by the U.S. Forest Service, your state forester, and the Ad Council. Mom's early Alzheimer's diagnosis was hard to take. And when I left the oven on, we decided together that it was time to see a doctor and make a plan. Early detection gave us more time to seek out information and support as a family. If you or your family are noticing changes, it could be Alzheimer's. Talk about seeing a doctor together. For more information, visit alz.org slash time to talk. A message from the Alzheimer's Association and the Ad Council. AgriTalk is brought to you by the Advanced Acre RX program from Winfield United. To hear directly from farmers how Advanced Acre RX helps you get the most out of your season, visit winfieldunited.com slash AARX. Welcome back to AgriTalk. Glad that you are with us on this Wednesday morning. Uh, yesterday, we talked about the Future Farmers Act with Representative Yadira Caraveo from Colorado. And today, we are talking with a co-sponsor of that legislation, Representative Randy Feenstra from the 4th District of Iowa. Congressman, welcome back to AgriTalk. Hey, Chip. It's great to be on AgriTalk this morning. Uh, thanks for having me. You bet. Glad that you're here. And, and as you can tell, uh, this is a package that we think is easy to support and we want to give listeners a reason to make contact with their representatives to ask for more support for the future farmers act it's all about education tell us about the bill that 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 is that is correct it's all about education in the classroom you know it starts uh in the high schools and and going to community colleges and so forth but it's it gives dollars and gives support uh, for for uh, future farmers and new education. Uh, my bill also, Future Farmers Act, uh, creates opportunity for crop insurance, meaning that uh, new beginning farmers, if you ask uh, bankers right now and farm credit, what's the biggest issue? They said the cost of crop insurance. And if we could do something about that. So what this does, Future Farmers Act, beginning farmers uh, can, can access uh, uh, insurance and get a 15% discount. But what this bill also does, the Future Farmers Act, it creates livestock protections uh, for insurance also for the beginning farmer. Um, it also extends uh, crop insurance from five to 10 years for the beginning farmer. This is a really big deal. Again, it's all to help that beginning farmer. Okay. On the Senate side, are you working with Senator Thune out of South Dakota on this one? I am, absolutely. Okay. Yes, yes. We, we are cohorts in this bill. Yeah. Yeah. It it includes a lot more than what I anticipated at first. I thought the crop insurance side and, and the livestock issues were in another piece of legislation, but it's not, huh? No, this is all together. This is a very <sighs> encompassing bill. I mean, there's a lot of different pieces in this bill. Absolutely. Yeah. Okay. So we passed the continuing resolution, and I want to set the stage for exactly how this the, the Future Farmer Act is going to be uh, 
moved through the process. But it, it starts with the continuing resolution that was passed last night. You voted for the CR, is that right? That is correct, and it's so important. It gives a one-year extension to the current farm uh, farm bill that we okay. currently have, and, and we needed that because you think about it, a lot of programs, especially when it comes to dairy and so forth, they all sunset as a twelve thirty one. So we had to create an extension. That doesn't mean that we're not going to pass a farm bill. It just gives us a little more runway uh, to pass a farm bill probably in, in February or March. Um, and we're still working with a CBO score, getting that all finalized so we can take it to the floor. And, and uh, that will probably happen in February or March. Okay. So do you anticipate attaching the Future Farmer Act to the farm bill? Or is this going that, to be that a standalone piece? That, that, no, that's currently the plan. We plan, hopefully, to get it in text in the Farm Bill. Uh, that is the key component here, uh, that, that it's part of the, the original text of the Farm Bill. Gotcha. That's not going to bog down the Farm Bill. This piece of legislation won't, will it? Oh, no. No, 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 no. No. You know, the Farm Bill, uh, what I'm seeing is the only concern I have, again, we want it bipartisan. This bill has to be bipartisan. But just like over the last decade, what bogs down the farm bill, it's usually the SNAP programs. Yep. Uh, you know, the farm programs, I mean, one-tenth of one percent of our spending goes to the farm bill. Not a lot. People have to recognize that. I mean, if our, our producers are successful, uh, our whole economy is successful. Our return on investment on this farm bill is huge. And, and that's what we're trying to sell. Okay. All right. Um, it- the the extension just so that everybody is clear the extension of the farm bill gets us to september but it does not delay debate and the the nutrition title the snap program that is where the heavy lifting in the debate is going to take place not only between the two parties but within the republican party as well is that right uh, you, you nailed it. I, again, 85% of the dollars in the farm bill goes to SNAP as uh, nutritional programs. Um, obviously, uh, Republicans would, would like more, uh, you, know, you know, work uh, to be done uh, when it comes to uh, the SNAP program, uh, work opportunities and so forth. But it's got to be it's got to be bipartisan. So when you look at work requirements, there's got to be a balance. And that's what we're working with the other side. Uh, we realize that the other side probably has different thoughts on this. Uh, but to get a farm bill passed, it always has been bipartisan, always will be. Yeah. So there's give and take, especially when uh, the Republicans are in charge in the House and the Democrats are in charge, are in charge of the right. Senate. So right. uh, we have to work collaboratively, take off our political hats, and do what's right. Yep, yep. Yeah, and I think on the Senate side, I think that's probably going to happen. Stabenow wants uh, – Senate Ag Committee Chairwoman Stabenow wants to get a farm bill done uh, well in advance of of uh, its well in advance of September of next year. So hopefully, hopefully we can deal with this in the first quarter. What about the Precision Agriculture? What about the Precision Agriculture Loan Program Act? Yeah, again, when you think about what's happening right now in in, in farming, I mean, it, it, it's all precision farming of what we can do to be more efficient, more effective, add value to the bottom line. So what this does is the new technology, the new equipment that are out there, the retrofitting of existing equipment. So what this does is offers a low interest loans, 2% low interest loans through the USDA up to $500,000 to, to create uh, for farmers to, to uh, have these purchases made on precision agriculture. Um, again, we heard a lot about this. Uh, I'm from Northwest Iowa. People want to buy this equipment but just can't afford it. So this gives them the opportunity. Again, it's all about that added value and, and how do you create uh, more profitability for the farmer. Yeah, efficiency on the – there's no question about that. Uh, will there be an effort when the farm bill is debated, will there be an effort to include legislation to address – interstate commerce issues, something to offset California's Prop 12 and Massachusetts uh, Q3? There, there will be. There will be something in the bill. Unfortunately, the farm bill is only a five-year program, so I, we'd rather have it stand alone. But yeah. we do believe that in the text there is going to be something uh, that, that preempts 
states from creating their own rules. Obviously, we see that with Prop 12 in California. Uh, we can't have every state making their own rules and regulations. I mean, it's just impossible for the producer to navigate all the rules. And Prop 12 being one of them with gestation pens. Uh, so what we're trying to do in the Farm Bill is mitigate that through the Meat Act and, and, and stop some of this from happening. Okay. Let's stay on meats here for just a second, but in a different way. You've got the Fridge Act. What is that? Yeah, I, again, you know, you think about what's happening in our commodity markets right now, especially when a livestock, uh, hog hog production, the, the price yeah. is really struggling. The farmers are losing about $40, $40 a head right now. What we need to do to expand the, the commodity, to expand uh, where the product goes, is we've got to have a stronger export market. The issue with the export market right now is cold storage, cold chain storage, meaning developing countries just do not have the ability to have cold chain storage. So we can't export to them. And what this Fridge Act does, it gives the ability uh, using new funds through the Farm Bill to, to access, uh, to train, and to create technical assistance to create infrastructure for cold storage in these developing countries. To me, this is paramount. This is what starts us building on getting our product to many of those uh, developing countries that need our product so badly. Okay, excellent. I checked out your Twitter feed. You've been pounding away on Bidenomics. We've been talking on AgriTalk a lot about the affordability issue and how uh, affordability of everyday items has just gone off the charts. I don't understand why the administration is pushing the concept of Bidenomics as a good thing congressman what is going on well and it's crushing to to our farmer and our producers i mean you yeah. think about the input costs that are currently happening i mean the, the fertilizer the seed uh it's just incredible over the last three years and then you, you look at the commodity markets right now and that's a scary thing uh when when they're sort of sagging and yet your input costs are still very high because of inflation your energy costs I mean, that creates some real profitability issues. And that's why I've been pounding this so hard is that uh, people don't understand what happens, especially to the American farmer, yep. that when those input costs goes up, we're still reliant on that commodity price. And they have been going down except for livestock, uh, specifically cattle. Everything else has been slowly going down. So it's a real concern uh, for, for a, a farmer to be uh, profitable at this point. And, and this is going to be a great concern as we move forward. Yep. Unfortunately, we're out of time. I'd like to continue this conversation. Keep thinking logically, Congressman. Thank you. Thanks. Always great to be on with you. Excellent. Thank you. That is Representative Randy Feenstra from the 4th District of Iowa. We got the Farmer Forum next. From innovation to action. BASF is collaborating with farmers in the Midwest and South to take a tougher stance on pigweed. The key to eradication mindset is based on three essential building blocks. Through the pigweed eradication journey fields approach, we are showcasing farmers' experience as they work towards pigweed eradication on their operation. We normally rotate between soybeans, corn. We tried to do what we call a minimum till. Of the spring, it was a little too much rain too often. The end of July, during in the July, we went into this heat. Being able to spray it in a timely fashion so it don't get out of hand, that was really the key. I, I want to say you can eradicate it, but you keep continuously working towards it. Eventually, it'll get there. We went through something with cotton with bow weevils, so I guess if we spray enough or try to keep, keep them from coming up, we make it, it make it happen. Visit OperationWeedEradication.com to learn more. Always read and follow label directions. Time for Markets Now with the experts from ProFarmer. Joining us now, ProFarmer editor Brian Grady. Brian, uh, grain markets pretty much on the defensive this morning. What's going on? Yeah, that's pretty much it, Chip. Uh, you know, that the outside markets we talked about yesterday, um, you know, the dollar just got hammered. It, it's firming a little bit today, so that's a little bit negative. Crude oil futures, um, they're under pressure more than a dollar lower, and, and so that's... Uh, um, negative as well, but uh, uh, I, you know I think the interesting thing here is that uh, soybeans and, and meal um, they were trading lower yesterday and, and ended up finishing high range and, and higher for the day. So we'll need to watch that to see if buyer interest shows up underneath the market here in those yeah. two. Uh, we do have NOPA data coming up at 11 o'clock Central Time, and, and uh, so that's expected to show the largest crush ever for any month. 
uh, for October. And, and so that'll be a potential data point, a potential to see whether it lives up to expectations or not. Gotcha. Japan bought a little bit of corn. That's encouraging. Yeah. Uh, so I, I think it's three days in a row now that we've seen uh, daily corn sales. Uh, most of them have been going to Mexico, but uh, like you mentioned, Japan was in. And uh, um, so should be providing some fundamental support, but it isn't. Yeah. Yeah. Gotcha. Take us over to the livestock trade, some strength in the cattle complex. Yeah, absolutely. So, um, you know, go all the way back to the Catalan feed report and the the, uh, the huge negative reaction there. And then that triggered the uh, the massive uh, liquidation, long liquidation. Uh, the market's trying to, to recoup as much as it can of that and, and trading moderately to sharply higher here at mid-morning. So uh, that process is uh, probably going to be lengthy in, in uh, uh, getting some footing under the market. But it, it does look like short-term lows are in place. And then hog futures are mildly favoring the downside. All right. Thank you, Brian. That's Pro Farmer Editor Brian Grady on Markets Now. The Scoop Podcast is where we talk about tight supply chains, emerging agronomic challenges, technology tools delivering ROI. I'm Margie Echelkamp, editor of The Scoop and host of The Scoop Podcast. Join me as I interview leaders from across the ag retail sector. Farmers are working hard for every bushel and their trusted advisors are by their side. Find The Scoop Podcast wherever you find podcasts so you are up to date on everything ag retail. Hey, what's up, y'all? I'm Kelly Clarkson, and as the daughter of a school teacher, I know just how important education is. No matter how old you are or your situation, continuing to learn will enrich your life and help remove barriers you didn't even know were there. So much opportunity, y'all. Whether it's a foreign language, history, or a different way to look at things, take some time each day to learn something new. This message is courtesy of the United States Air Force. Opinions expressed on AgriTalk do not necessarily reflect the views of Farm Journal Broadcasting, affiliate stations, or sponsors. AgriTalk is brought to you by Bravant Seeds. You want someone who knows how to do the whole job. That's what ag retailers do. That's why Bravant Seeds are available only through retailers. Find yours at bravant.com slash retail. Welcome back to AgriTalk. I'm Chip. Glad that you're with us on this Wednesday morning. Great conversation there with Representative Feenstra, and I'm looking forward to another great one in the Farmer Forum. Let's get it started with Caleb Hamer from Iowa. He joins us right now. Caleb, how you doing, buddy? Welcome back to the Forum. Morning, Chip. How you been? Good, good, good. So, you know, obviously I watched your harvest progress on social media this year, and uh, seems like it went pretty smooth, didn't it? Uh, went fast, went fast. Um, I think this was the first year we were done before Halloween, um, since 2012, uh, drought slash super dry weather caused that, um, just nice. It was good weather. We caught rain and gave us a break once in a while, but, uh, I can't complain too much about the progress of how harvest went. Right, right. Yeah, I'll bet it it uh, moved right along, no question about it. How did the crops do? Start with corn. Um, I guess I had higher expectations than what we found. Uh, of course, I'm in northeast Iowa, where if you draw the drought map, we were dark red most of the year. Um, the further south we went in our operation, the better it got. Uh, we'll have crop insurance claims in one county and both counties will have a bean claim so uh it is what it is we'll move forward and hopefully uh it rains next year that's that doesn't fit the narrative caleb that's not what everybody's talking about that doesn't support a 174.9 for a, a national average yield everybody was talking about how there was more bushels out there than what they expected on corn well local basis would tell me locally there's not a whole lot of corn so um, they can come here and sell their corn, I guess, because uh, there's guys trying to buy it right now. Gotcha. Gotcha. All right. Ryan Bivens over in Kentucky joins us right now. Ryan, welcome back to the Farmer Forum. How are you, man? Doing good, Chip. Thanks for having me today. Yep. Glad that you are here. Glad you're here. Tell me about Harvest. How did it go for you? 
Well, it's still going. That's uh, that's part of the thing about Kentucky. We like to extend things out a little bit, but <laughs> we've had uh, we've been very blessed this year. We had best corn crop we've probably ever had. Uh, beat okay. last year's by it looks like going to be five to ten bushels better than what last year's was. The bean crops weren't the best ever, but they were still a uh, a good crop to say the least. So very happy there. We uh, we were really dry there at the end, so I expected especially double crops to fall off, but. They've been uh they've been surprisingly much better than we thought. So we're uh, we're very happy with the crop this year. Ryan, in the middle of the growing season, weren't you getting rains like every day for a while? Yeah, I've told several people. Usually, you know, we harvest wheat at the end of June, uh, trying to get beans planted, and usually that's our drier part of the year. And ground gets hard enough. You're trying to worry about trying to get the beans in the ground this year the two and a half weeks of wheat harvest we had between 12 and 15 inches of rain and it's Jeez. the wettest wheat harvest i can remember we we were literally mud and beans and i thought it was going to be a disaster but you look at the calendar and you know you had to go so uh like i said it's uh, a lot of our mistakes have been forgiven this time wow wow how much have you got left of harvest and what are you harvesting before you get things wrapped up yeah hey, we're we're running beans today uh, we're down. We like about 20% finishing up. I'm hoping to give us two more weeks and we'll, uh, we'll be good. We've, we've had a real problem. Corn, uh, really and truly we've dried all the corn up this point. Corn didn't just, has not dried down this year. Hmm. So it's, uh, that slowed us down waiting on dryer and we've handled a lot of bushels. Like I said, it's a good problem to have. So I hate yeah. to complain too much. Yeah. I hear you. I hear you. All right. Um, Caleb, what did you learn about growing corn this year that that, that you're going to remember the most and use in the future? Um, I think we did a decent job in April of we had really good soil conditions, uh, adequate temperatures, but a sketchy forecast. Uh, we pushed hard and shut the planters down 24 to 36 hours ahead of the cold snap. Uh, and we saw no ill results from that. <clears throat> so I think if the soil conditions say to go, we can go, provided we shut down 24 hours-ish ahead of any uh, cold moisture coming in. Okay. Did you how, – how did you figure that out? I mean, did you compare it to some fields that uh, were we planted had, within that? Uh, it so happened that we were in a field, 120-ish acres, that got caught in that window. Okay. And the planting date ended up being 10-ish days apart, and there was no yield drag from one to the other. Okay. Gotcha. Gotcha. Ryan, what about you? What did you learn about growing corn this year that 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 you will take with you into the future? Well, you know, I had a, a person tell me one time a farmer in their lifetime gets maybe 40 to 50 chances to grow a crop. And we every year we want to give that crop every opportunity we can to succeed and, you know, yield its best and return, give us the best return. But I think last year, our lesson started last year. We went for a long dry spell last year. And everything we've always learned is that corn does not want a bad day. It can't handle a bad day. And what we've learned last year is we had two months in a row worth of bad days. Well, this year we even saw some corn, sometimes that corn had bad days. Yeah. Um, you know, and I think we get that mindset from listening to everyone like, oh, you know, we're doomed from the start. You know, it's, it's never going to recover. And I think what we've learned is, hey, uh, you know, these crops are more resilient than we give them credit for. Yeah. Yeah. You know, and it's it's not just the genetics in these hybrids. It's Caleb. It's everything that you're doing on crop protection to protect the health of that crop. It the the genetics help, right? But the management counts just as much, doesn't it? Uh, I think it does. But man, I this was what my fifteenth crop since coming back home. Uh, the genetics have truly improved a lot in just the time I've been home. Cause I remember the 2012 drought versus what we just harvested and it's not anywhere close to the same. Yeah. It wasn't as good as we wanted, but man, the fact that there were parts of fields that did as well as they did is amazing. And I think it's a lot more genetics than our management 
Yeah. Maybe that's some of it, but man, the genetics have changed. Yeah, oh, sure. You know, one of the one of the things that we talked about out on crop tour this year with the uh, with the representatives from Pioneer was that remember in 2012 was the first year that Aquamax came onto the market. That line of genetics wouldn't even qualify. It's not it's not offered any longer because of everything else is so much more drought tolerant than the original Aquamax. It, it, uh, it's pretty phenomenal. Uh, Ryan, you're first generation farmer. And like you said, I know that you're learning new things each and every year out there. But when, when you look at the genetics and the hybrids that are available and how it's changed in the time that you've been farming, you've got to notice the differences as well. Oh, there's there's absolutely no question about that, Chip. You know, every year we uh, we certainly learn differences every year. If you had told me twenty some years ago when I planted my first crop that hey, this is uh, where you're going to be at today, I probably would have laughed at you. You know, it's uh, we've got rocks and hills and poor dirt and uh, you know very few inches of topsoil in Kentucky compared to what the I states have. And, you know, we, we have, we don't have nearly the water loading capacity, but what we've learned with these new hybrids is, Hey, we can grow a crop, um, just like the I states can, but we just have to have a little moisture to go with it. Yeah. Yeah. And when you talk about that, I mean, it sounds to me like you're going to, you're, you're talking about a corn crop that's going to average close to 250 bushel an acre. Am I off on that? You're not far off. (laughs) <laughs> you're not far off across, across several acres like it that's uh it's pretty uh pretty substantial yeah yeah and i tell you you know caleb we we talk about the influence of some of those quote-unquote fringe areas like kentucky on on corn yields but when you've got the those fringe areas pulling up on the national average yield if we have a few issues in the middle of the country, you can end up with a 175 for a national average corn yield. I think that's what it's showing us. Does it concern you, Caleb, that the market will be slow to react to any weather issues going forward because of what this year showed us? Uh, I don't know. Wasn't it a year or two we said we were done seeing weather markets? Pretty sure we just saw one this past summer. So I don't. Yeah. I'll believe it when I see it. Obviously, right now, we seem to care about South American weather. So it is what it is. The market will learn and move forward, but the market's still a fickle beast that we all have to deal with. Yeah, it certainly is. certainly is. And it it seems like uh, we've got to deal with those issues all the time. So on soybeans, Caleb, it it was just that that dry August into September period that – that took the top end off, isn't it? Oh, yeah. I think we had good planting date. We had good stands. I was pretty optimistic, but if, I think what did we end up? I think we ended up short of two. We were short of two inches in August. And just even uh, two years ago, we had a uh, five inch August. And man, those are the best beans we'd ever cut. Um, yeah. Just makes all kinds of difference. Certainly does. Certainly does. Okay. When we come back, we're going to continue the conversation with Caleb Hamer from Iowa and and Ryan Bivens from Kentucky. The narrative for the year ahead is tighter margins. How do you plan for that? We're going to talk about that next. (coughs) Hello? Man, where are you? I thought you were coming. I can't. I'm in bed with the flu. (coughs) The flu? Whoa, whoa, whoa. Grandma's about to crowd, sir. Man, I'll call you back. Don't get stuck at home with the flu. A flu shot is safe, effective, and you can get it at the same time as your COVID-19 vaccine. A flu shot is the best way to prevent the flu and its potentially serious complications. Don't get flu FOMO. Learn more at GetMyFluShot.org. Brought to you by the AMA, CDC, and the Ad Council. 
I'm Tyne Morgan, host of U.S. Farm Report, the only weekend television show that features some of agriculture's biggest names. From custom commentary from John Phipps to the stories of antique iron with machinery Pete, to a list of more than 30 marketing analysts, our weekly program focuses on the topics that matter most to you. We invite you to join us each weekend for U.S. Farm Report, timely, trusted tradition. This is Andrew McRae, host of the American Countryside. I'm also a farmer and rancher from Northwest Missouri, and I hope you'll join me each week for Farming the Countryside as we take a look at the top issues impacting agriculture as told by the people farming and working in their industry. We'll talk about markets and trade, share some of the latest tips and trends from grain and livestock producers, and take a look at trends impacting rural America. Join me for Farming the Countryside on many local radio stations or on your favorite podcast platform, or just go to farmingthecountryside.com. I taught for 20 years, until I started forgetting my lectures. Eventually, he had to quit. Getting his early Alzheimer's diagnosis was hard, but it gave us time to take control of the situation, together. I can't imagine going through this without him. If you or your family are noticing changes, it could be Alzheimer's. Talk about seeing a doctor together. For more information, visit alz.org slash time to talk. A message from the Alzheimer's Association and the Ad Council. Always up early, always getting the job done, always working as hard as you can, always pushing for more, because you never settle. For farmers who seek outstanding performance they can count on, the only brand is DeKalb Corn. Featuring a broad portfolio of products, precision bred to maximize profit potential on every field. DeKalb brand, never settle. See us at DeKalb.com. Read and follow pesticide label directions, grain marketing, and other stewardship practices. For some farmers, soybeans are on their mind 24-7. If you're all about the beans, then Asgrow brand is all about you. That's why we've dedicated ourselves to developing truly localized products. Products with leading genetics and top-tier weed management. Products that maximize the profit potential on every acre you've got. You're serious about soybeans, and we're serious about your success. Visit Asgrow.com. It's all about the beans. Read and follow pesticide label directions, grain marketing, and other stewardship practices. Moving Day, a walk for Parkinson's, is happening around the country more than just a walk. Moving Day is a fun experience that unites the community in the fight against Parkinson's disease. Parkinson's doesn't stop, and neither will we. So let's get moving. Join the Parkinson's Foundation to learn more and register for an event in your area at movingdaywalk.org. That's movingdaywalk.org. The Scoop Podcast is where we talk about tight supply chains, emerging agronomic challenges, technology tools delivering ROI. I'm Margie Echelkamp, editor of The Scoop and host of The Scoop Podcast. Join me as I interview leaders from across the ag retail sector. Farmers are working hard for every bushel and their trusted advisors are by their side. Find The Scoop Podcast wherever you find podcasts so you are up to date on everything ag retail. In farming, you don't do anything halfway because putting in half the effort yields only half the reward. Protivate Nutritional Seed Enhancer from Coke Agronomic Services is a dual-purpose solution that gives young crops critical nutrients for early uniform emergence, plus seed circulation and flowability. And with multiple formulations, you'll find the right fit. Plant smarter with Protivate. To get started, contact your Coke Agronomic Services representative or local ag retailer or visit getgreatergrowth.com. Hi, I'm Ag Day host Clinton Griffiths, and I invite you to join me each morning as we cover the nation's food system, from fields of green to orchards of orange and livestock everywhere in between. America runs on agriculture, and here at Ag Day, agriculture is what we do best. Listen as our analysts track the markets, learn about innovations in technology and sustainability, and live the country lifestyle through the eyes of rural America. Join me, Clinton Griffiths, for Ag Day, the country experience. The best talkers in ag, including you. Join the conversation on AgriTalk. Call us at 855-4-TALK-AG. Welcome back to AgriTalk and the Farmer Forum. We've got Caleb Hamer from Iowa, Ryan Bivens from Kentucky. Uh, like I said at the end of the last segment, guys, I want to talk about tighter margins. Everybody seems to be expecting them for the 2024 crop. Um, 
we're dealing with some tighter margins for the 23 crop than what we had on 22 and 21. But that seems to be the direction that we are headed because of that corn carryover in particular is, is what I would point at and say that it's going to be a wet blanket over the markets for a while. Caleb, what, when you see those that, that kind of an outlook, does it change the way that you're thinking? Does it change the way that you're planning for a crop season? Um, I think it should. I think we've been pretty uh, disciplined, and if we're going to be booking an input, we're making a hedge or a sale on the backside, kind of going step for step with the budget. Uh, making sure we're not too far over our skis on sales versus uh, locked-in prices as we move along here, getting into the 24 crop. Gotcha. Now, when you do that, I assume you're maintaining some flexibility in your marketing because, like you were saying, trying to figure out exactly what these markets are going to do is pretty difficult. But maintain some flexibility in your marketing plan. Are you doing that? Yeah, we – I'm uh, using HTAs on some stuff. I've got options under some other stuff as well. Um, Short-term options just kind of walking us through uh, the crop winter, and then we'll move them out if we need to, or we'll turn them into sales if we feel like it. Gotcha. Gotcha. Okay. Ryan, what about you? Does it change the way that you're thinking about managing your business going forward? Well, I think everybody has to look at their own business, look at their own plan. You know, we're in a unique situation here in central Kentucky that um, a lot of people talk about corn for ethanol. Well, we were the first ones in the country many years ago that figured out how to liquefy corn. It's just not going into our cars. <laughs> so with that, we've got a huge we've got a huge demand in our part of the world for corn. Um, you know, Bourbon's still hot. People are uh, people are not going to slow down drinking. So we've got to grow a crop to begin with. So you know, first of all, that you go with what your markets are available to you. You know, we have that. We've also got strong, relatively strong basis all the time being on the river market for soybeans. So with that being said, uh, you know, yeah, things are going to be tighter. But I but I've kind of learned over time that you. Uh, you never know. Uh, I've never seen a budget that I've done the first of the year turn out to be the, the actual numbers at the end of the year. So we've got to do the best we can. You know, you know, we're going to stick to our plan. We're, we're not going to shortcut anything. Uh, but you got to do, stay within reason uh, with that when you do that. You know, like I yeah. said, go back to that chance. I want to, you know, of those 40 or 50 chances I've got to grow a crop, I want to do the best job I can. So we're going to do what we can to, to produce a good crop. And, you know, we'll work with the markets. And, you know, as long as I think demand – that is something that certainly has changed over time is we have seen crops. We have built up a demand for these crops. You know, when we start talking about soybeans, you know, years ago, we used to talk about everybody. We need all the meal we could produce. What are we going to do with all this oil? Well, yeah. now the tide has turned and, you know, we're sitting there questioning now, what are we going to do with all this meal? Because we can't produce enough oil at times. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. We're we're minutes away from getting the National Oil Seed Processors Association crush numbers. It's going to be the biggest number that we've ever seen for any count or for any month. And the reason is because of the 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 expansion in the crush capacity in the country so that we can feed that demand for soybean oil and and uh um yeah, it it creates a whole different set of circumstances, no question about it. Now, uh, Ryan, I like what you said about the no shortcuts. I want to go down that path here for a second with you, Caleb. It, the money's going to be spent on crop nutrition. It, but what I'm wondering is, are you going to be looking at spending some additional money on some of the products that claim to help stretch those fertilizer dollars? You know what I, I'm talking I'm talking about biologicals. I'm talking about some of the nitrogen efficiency products are is are those on the table for the year ahead yeah yeah well first and foremost to what ryan said i do my best to support the bourbon demand but um and i think chip chip might too um we're we're big fans of your your question yeah 
to to your question about biologicals and all the other stuff, uh, we're on year like three of just trying to get trials on farm and figure out what works here. I can tell you yeah. we've done a lot of stuff that yeah uh, hasn't shown up yet. I don't know that means we should stop trying, but we're uh, trying different stuff all the time. We're in a peer group and we have a meeting in two weeks where we're going to go through some trials that we want to set up for next year. So it, it's stuff we need to continually be looking at because I think that is the forefront of where we're headed with a lot of this stuff. Excellent. Excellent. I'm glad to hear that you guys are going to keep working on that. And Ryan, when you were talking about the markets and the market development, uh, you, you're a director for the United Soybean Board. You are directly responsible to help build some of those overseas markets for, for soybean meal. How's that experience been? It's been good. It's been good. We, you know, I don't care. I don't care what you produce in life, uh, whether you're a farmer and you're growing crops, you're raising livestock or just, just say you produce widgets, whatever it may be, yeah. you always need to support your industry. Uh, one of the things that's been eye-opening to me is, uh, you know, the fact that with through, che- through the checkoff program and checkoff dollars, and I think this is what a lot of people out there don't understand. You know, they they see it as a uh, as a negative when you look at checkoff or you talk about checkoff, and they they think that it's being misappropriated, misspended, what whatever. But the fact remains that out of every dollar that is invested in the checkoff program on the soybean side, there's been twelve dollars and thirty four cents return on yeah. those dollars. And that's a pretty good ROI, in my opinion. <laughs> you know, it, right. it does a lot. It, you know, I remember, I'm not, I don't consider myself old, Chip. Uh, Chip I'm still a young guy, but hey, I've sold $6 soybeans before. And I think it's work of, you know, our associations, yep. it's work of the United Soybean Board, it's work of the checkoff program that has yep. created these markets for us. That's why we're, you know, we're sitting here and Ryan, we, uh, we're seeing yep. these prices like we got. Yep, great message there, Ryan. Thank you so much for that work. Thank you for being part of the Farmer Forum today. Caleb, have a great day. Stay safe. We got Brian Hoops this afternoon. No matter where home is, Dynagrow Seed is made to perform on your acres. With a proven track record for consistent performance year after year, Dynagrow Seed delivers innovative seed solutions to maximize your local acre. Purchase confidently knowing you have a partner to connect your land with the right seed hybrids and varieties for your local conditions. Book your seed today at your local Nutrient Ag Solutions or visit DynagrowSeed.com to learn more. Dynagrow Seed, made to perform here. No doubt you've heard of MetLife, but did you know that MetLife Investment Management has over 100 years of ag lending experience? The MetLife Investment Management team maintains close relationships with its borrowers and can structure a customized loan with flexible terms to meet your financial needs. Looking to expand, refinance, or recapitalize? Consider MetLife Investment Management. Learn more at metlife.com forward slash ag.